After 30 years in the TV and radio world, Martin Kilcoin rolls through the Rolodex on a nightly basis. Right here on the Big 550 KTRS. Time for the Kilcoin Conversation. And it's a busy Monday. Daytona 500 still running down in Florida. Denny Hamlin in the lead. 42 laps to go. Coming to you live from the KTRS studios. Welcome in to the Kilcoin Conversation. Big sports news day. Didn't see it coming. We've got Desiree Reed Francois, the former athletic director at the University of Missouri. Brendan Weesey and I are going to dig in on that topic a little bit later. What went down? What do we think happened? And how come this move makes no sense to anybody from the outside going to a, uh, let's just call it a lesser conference to a school who, you know, is just changing in their football department, not not as established, let's say, as Mizzou currently is in the football realm, and taking less money. College sports right now, everybody saying, oh, you can't, can't blame the kids because they're going to be getting money. All the coaches and players will be getting money all these years. Well, she took less money to leave Mizzou. What does that tell you? What's going on down there? More questions than answers. Again, end of the show, Brendan Weesey and I will get into that. Tonight, we've got the Travis Ford interview I conducted on Sunday, the TV version last night on Fox 2, probably about seven minutes. The actual interview, probably about 15. Always tough to decide what to leave in, what to take out, but I like it when we get the chance to roll through the entire audio. And the genesis, really, of the whole thing, obviously, the team's terrible. I know a lot of folks want Travis fired. Uh, The eight-year run hasn't been enough. I think a lot of folks, some are more angry than others, but I thought, you know what, I wonder if he wants to talk about it. Because if in a post-game setting, you know, they lose another game, they win a game here or there, you're going to say, hey, what happened on that 10-0 run? Hey, how's Sincere's ankle? All these little nuts and bolts that you have to cover. And then on a coach's show, you're not going to pepper him and say, hey, are you worried about getting fired? Have you heard anything from the administration? How do you assess your eight years? Those kind of things. And this is nothing against Bob Ramsey. It's just not something you do on a coach's show. So I thought if he wants to do a sit-down, and most would say, let's wait till the season plays out. But I texted him, and he said, sure, come down Sunday. Um, and my thought was, let's ask him fair questions about his future, about the eight years. Some of the stuff that didn't get on last night, I asked him about the defense being so bad and whether he's heard anything. It's been pretty quiet on the uh, Chris May front. Not that Dr. Pastello is going to weigh in, but you just haven't heard much from the administration. Remember last year, Chris May came out and gave Travis Ford the vote of confidence, and it was kind of out of nowhere right before the A-10 tournament. I don't know that anybody was asking for it, so I thought, let's ask Chris. So I texted him last night and said I did an interview with Travis, talked to him about the season struggles, about his future, what he thinks is going to happen. And I said, if you'd like to weigh in, shoot me back a note, you know, about his status. And he did text me back, but it was not related. He just basically said, good to hear from you. We'll talk soon. It was nothing specific. And I'm not outing him for that, but just we did ask and nothing concrete, I would say, came from Chris May. So we'll play the full interview for you. Then a little bit later, Kevin Ryans, my colleague at Fox 2, was down at spring training with the Cardinals get his take, all the different people he talked to. I'm going to dig in a little bit with Brendan as well on this Nolan Arenado thinking the team 
needs more veteran leadership. And he told John Mozeliak that. Mozeliak put it out there. And then this weekend, Arnato wouldn't say he was explaining himself, but talked quite a bit about that topic, about the team needing more leadership, being a little bit young. And then I think that opened the door for people to say, well, what's your role in all of this? How do you lead? It's been a little strange this first week. So much talk has been about leadership. And what about the team ERA? (laughs) I bet you the leadership's just fine if everybody pitches well. So those are our topics on the show tonight. Uh, I'll get Brendan's take on the Travis Ford interview as well. We'll get into that. If you want to text in, you can. Kind of nice to be here live on this Monday night going through all of this. We had the NBA All-Star Game, which, by the way, is unwatchable. But the one part that I really enjoyed was on social media. I still say Twitter. And it was Jason Tatum shaking hands with Larry Bird. You know, the game was in Indianapolis. Makes total sense Larry Bird's there. What I couldn't believe was true. It's the first time Jason Tatum met Larry Bird. And now the guy who tweeted it is the Boston Celtics beat writer. So I thought, okay, well, he would know. And then after the game, Tatum was at the podium and he said, man, it was so cool because Bird said he'd always wanted to meet me. I'm like, how is it possible in the last five or six years, Tatum stars for the Boston Celtics. How is it possible Larry wasn't at a game? Does he never go back? I just, I couldn't believe that. Because every time Tatum does something that's really cool, they'll say it's the first time since Larry Bird. I've always said it speaks to Tatum's greatness that every time he does something, it's on par with Larry Bird. But that was the first time they ever met. That was the only thing interesting about the NBA All-Star game. We won't waste any time on that. Blues lost today 4-2 at home. It was an early game, noon game. Lost to the Maple Leafs 4-2. Blues have lost a couple in a row, three out of four. So now the Bannister bump is trending. (laughs) They're going down. They've got one left on the four-game homestand. That'll be Thursday night against the New York Islanders. All right, we'll get to our guest momentarily, Altair Travel, one of our great sponsors and one of the great travel agencies throughout this region. More than 40 years now, they've been helping folks with all their travel needs, whether it's a wedding plan, beach vacation, a cruise, family get-together, honeymoon, maybe for business, or you want to put together some business incentives, they can handle all of it, domestic and international, all your travel needs, one spot, it's Altair Travel. They've been in Brentwood for years they're right next to Obi Clark's. You can call and set up an appointment. And if you do that, tell them you heard about the beautiful meeting space called the living room. Such a cool place to sit down and map out your trip. 968-9600 is the number to call. 314-968-9600 or altertravel.com when you're going to a trip that you've been thinking about forever. Don't want to be surprised when you show up. Sure, it looked great online. And then you get there and say, wait a minute, this... This is not at all what they were talking about. When you call Altair Travel, there are more than 50-plus travel specialists at your disposal. So you will not be shocked or surprised when you get off the plane. Make sure your trip is the best it can be. Call Altair Travel or go online, altairtravel.com. Obviously, it's been a tough season. Win total, a lot of things are ugly right now. Is there a short answer as to what hasn't gone right this year? Maybe There's, there's, not definitely, a not a, there's definitely not a short answer. Um Obviously, I, I analyze it every day, every all day long, and as we try to improve and get better every day. And you know, we knew after last year, we, we you know we lost a lot of obviously really good players, some players had been around for a long time. So we knew it was a little bit of a rebuilding year. We kind of understood that. Um, and then you're rebuilding through a time of 
trying to get a grasp on the transfer portal, grasp on NIL, and it's all kind of new to everybody. Um, and we probably didn't handle that the best. You know, we have a much better, I have a much better grasp of the portal, NIL, and all those things much better, especially over the last month as we dig into it and things like that, a much better understanding. Um, but it was, a, it was probably the longest summer I've ever had because we were still recruiting in the month of August, still trying to put a roster together. Um, which, you know, we think probably set us back a lot in the summertime a little bit in, the, in getting better. Um, but then you go through a whole preseason of planning to play a certain style of basketball. Uh, we wanted to press for 40 minutes, uh, play very, very fast, and we were, that's exactly what we did in our first, first four games. And we start 4-0, and then obviously the injuries hit. And obviously Sincere Parker, somebody we thought would average in the mid-20s. We, we thought that. And our system was based on him and different guys being able to score the ball. And when you lose him for two and a half months, that obviously. And then we had a bunch of in injuries. And these are all excuses. And I know fans don't want to hear excuses. I, I totally get that. But that's reality, and I, I get it. Well, fans want to know what we're going to do going forward. And we have a plan going forward, no question. No one's uh, is is unhappy about this as I am and our players. They're down every day. Uh, we don't expect people to be happy that we haven't won this year. We don't expect that. We expect to have criticism. I expect, I've been doing this way too long as a player. Uh, when you play at Kentucky, you hear it all. You hear everything. And you 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 got to have a thick skin when you play basketball at the University of Kentucky. And I learned that early on. And then I've also learned it because I've been a head coach my whole life. You know, I've been a head coach now for 27 years. Um, every program I've taken over, I've taken over five. Every program I've taken over, um, the coach before me had gotten fired or they were looking for more, uh, looking for better. And I've taken over programs that need to be kind of rebuilt. And, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of what we did here. We are having a bad year, a very disappointing year. We think we're going to get better. I love my guys. I really love the guys in the locker. I love, you know, great, super kids. They're tr working hard every day to get better. Um, but it's, it's, been a, it's been a challenging year, no doubt. We feel that. We understand that. When you're a college coach, you're ultimately the GM, the team president. It, you build the team, so it falls into your lap. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. I've said that multiple times, Martin, that I take full responsibility, full responsibility um, on everything. You know, um, we got to get better. There's no question. I'm more obsessed now than ever to get this right and get it correct. I mean, I, this is the most difficult year I've had in my 27 years as a, as a head coach, by far. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 as I analyze it every single day, as I go to bed at night and I sit and think about it all night and I get up in the morning thinking about it, there's some things, yeah, you know, as you look back, anytime something doesn't go the way you want it, there, you want to change something. Yeah, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. That's human nature about anything. No different from me. There's things that, as I sit here, I would have definitely done different throughout the season, dealing with some of the injuries, uh, things that we've learned in the summertime dealing with, you know, NIL and the portal and those things that we've learned that we struggled with. We really struggled in the summertime with this when it came to recruiting. These are things that now we think we have a really great grasp on right now. When you don't defend well, it looks worse. And it can be strategy, but it can be effort too. Where's your level of disappointment maybe in the defensive side of your, your game? It's tough because if you go back and look at our numbers since we've been here defensively, they've been pretty good and pretty much at the top. Defensive rebounding has been at the very top. We've had some great defenders here. Uh, Javon Best was the player of the year defensively. Jordan Goodwin, two-time player, two-time 
first team. Uri Collins, two-time first team. I go down to Francis O'Coral. We've had some really good defensive players and defensive teams, really good defensive teams. It's frustrating because I think um, offense is, is a lot harder than defense. Offense, you got to, you know, it's our job to put them in the right place, but you got to have a skill level. We can, de can develop the skill and things like that, but defense a lot of times is just a will and want and a pride thing. Yes, scouting report, teaching different fundamentals, absolutely, things we do every single day. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out what can I do better to help these, help these guys defend better. We've tried every, we're, obviously we're trying zones, man to man, we've tried a little bit of everything. Um, we just gotta do better as a team. It's not on one or two individuals. That's not gonna happen. That's not what, how we're built. We're gonna have to defend as a team, as a whole, and really trust each other and have each other's back and have that type mentality if we're gonna get better defensively. But our team fully gets it. I fully get it, number one. My staff gets it, our team gets that we're not defending at a level that's gonna help us have success. You have been around a long time. You played for Norm Stewart, you played for Rick Pitino. When you have this kind of year, I don't know if it compares to any other years for you, who are you leaning on? Who, who are you hearing from? Well, Coach Pitino called me a couple of days ago and had a long conversation with him. And he was just calling to check in. And as he said, Travis, there's years like you're gonna have, you'll, you'll bounce back. And he went through all these different scenarios of through his career and other people's career and things like that, that you know, kind of snowballs sometimes when they have this year, like injuries and things just, and we've seen it in games where a ball doesn't bounce a certain way. We're just like, um, it's tough. But uh, obviously I, I've heard from him a lot. He's been great. But you also hear from a lot of coaches. You know, some, you know there's obviously a, 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 a lot of coaches I talk to all the time. But there's a lot of coaches that have reached out and said, hey, I know you're going through a tough time. Hang in there. You know, done a great job. You know, they go through all the stuff. But it's great because as a, as a coach, especially, it's a lonely world, especially when you get in situations like this. It's very, very lonely. Um, and you got so many things going through your head that you're trying to fix. Um, and to hear from coaches, that's when you hear from them the most. It's not when you're winning. It's when things are tough. And uh, because it is, it, 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 uh, it's a challenge every single day, that's for sure. How aware of any of the outside noise are you and do you worry about your future? Do you worry about getting fired? Is that even on your radar? No, well, you know, I, I, I don't, I hear it and I don't, but I know it's there. It should be there. It should, I mean, we're, we're, we're having a tough year. I, I wouldn't be happy as a fan and I'm not happy as, as the head coach. Um, my staff hears me say this. My players hear me say it. My family hears me say it. I want to do this for the fans. I want to do this for the player. I feel bad for them. I want to, my players hear this. I want them to say, I want them to feel some success. I want to win for this, our fan. We got a great fan base, an amazing fan base. I want to get this corrected for them. Uh, absolutely. They deserve it. They're still showing up. They scream loud. But I still get a lot of emails, a lot of people everywhere I go, hey, hang in there, coach. We're behind you. Uh, a lot of different things, um, you know, that, that give you encouragement, that give you that positive vibe when maybe you're down or whatever it is. Because a lot of times you do, you hear the critics more than you hear everything else, but absolutely, you know it's there. I would expect, I've been doing this too long as a player and as a coach not to understand that, but I do want to get it corrected for our fans. I want to get it corrected for our players and for everybody um, very quickly, and, and we will. Um, no, I don't worry about the other stuff. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, Martin, I, you know, I, I've been doing this my whole life uh, as a player and as a coach. I mean, it's, it's all I know, and I, I would I, 
I've absolutely loved St. Louis living here. Now, over the last eight years, I've had some of the most rewarding times of my life here, but also some of the most difficult times of my life here have happened here. And uh, this is a special place. I love it here. I want to get it. I want to get this season turned around now and look forward to being unbelievable next year because of the fans and for what this city has meant to me and my family, because we've experienced a lot here and people have been really, really good to us, especially during the good, but also the difficult times. And, um, you know, uh, I, I have a true love for St. Louis. I have a true love for St. Louis University. I do. That is, I wouldn't say it's uncommon, but when you're a coach, it's moved around a lot. And a lot of coaches, you have certain things you like about every place. Um, but a lot, a lot has happened here. A lot has happened in my life here. This is where my kids would tell you it would be home for them. Um, and I want to get this turned around. And we have a plan in place. We have a plan in place that's already in action to get this thing turned around. Do you hear anything from the AD, the administration, the boosters? Does anybody chime in at a time like this? Or are they going to let it play out and see what happens? I, you know, not really. I, you know, I'm locked in every day. I mean, right now it's, I'm here 7, 6.30, 7 a.m. till no telling what time of night preparing for the next game. I've lost myself. We lose our, tell our tell my staff all the time, we got to lose ourselves into that next game and keep our players positive, keep, get them ready for the next game. And they've been great. Again, the team's just been terrific attitude and things like that. Um, but I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have time to spend. I don't, it's not fair to my team. It's not fair to fa- – I don't have time for any of that. i got to prepare for the next game. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't get caught up into that other stuff. That's other stuff will take. I, you know, I hope I'm the coach here for a long time. That's what, that's what I hope. Uh, I think, you know, I think everybody knows what I'm made of, and I think everybody understands the people I've taught. They understand what we've been through this year, uh, and what we have in place to hopefully start absolutely correcting this and getting back to the better, better days for sure. And should you be judged on this season or on your eight-year body of work? And have you done enough in the eight years? prior, the total, that people should say, hey, he's the guy, or how would you explain your eight-year run instead of just this year? Yeah, we've had a lot of success here, Uh, a lot of success based on what we took over to the success we've had. We've won a lot of games through a lot of difficult times, through COVID times, through a lot of difficult times. We won a lot of games. Um, Do we want to win even more? Absolutely. I think every A-10 team wants that. It's been a struggle for the A-10 over the last seven to ten years to get those multiple teams in the NCAA tournament. We want to get more consistent. And I think I don't think there's any question we will now that we have a better understanding of how to handle this portal, NIL things, uh, things we've implemented recruiting-wise that uh, I think are going to absolutely make us better and we're headed in the right direction. Uh, continue to develop some of these players that are on our team that I really believe in and I think are going to be really good going forward. Um, but I, you know, I think it's a, a, a totality. You know, I've been doing this. I've been a head coach at the college of 20, I think this is my 27th year. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, won a lot of games, been through a lot of stuff and I'm prepared, uh, you know, it's, it's a change. It's been a change of landscape, but we, uh, I think we've gotten it figured out and I think we're heading in the right direction as far as that's concerned. And sh- SLU should be kind of like a Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, these schools that are kind of perennial NCAA. Is that ultimately where you think this program can and should be? Yeah, absolutely. I think we can be, and we want to be that. I think that's true for us and the Daytons and the V. You know, we all want to compete at the highest level. 
And I think, you know, we've got to do our job. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, we're not helping at all this year. We've got to do our job um, and, and help the overall league so we can get three, four teams. Like the Big East is getting seven, eight, nine teams in a year. Um, you know, so as a, as a whole, we've got to do our job. We fully grasp that. We're not doing our job this year. We will going forward, no question about it. But can we be? That's what I think we all strive to be in the A-10 and us for sure here at St. Louis. How do you get up and keep going every day when you know there's noise and you know it's frustrating and your fans want more? How do you how do you deal with it? Well, if you know me, I love you know um, I'm a competitor. Uh, I see every day is going to get better every single day, and that's what I tell my team. Today we got to get better. We got to practice better. I told them today we last practiced on Thursday, and I said we have to practice better today than we did Thursday if we want a different result. We've got to get better. Um, but I could get locked in. I get locked in on getting our individual players better and making sure they're doing well academically, make sure we live with in, within their life and make sure there's a lot going on within a team dynamic. And then you've got preparation. You know, I spend all day with our coaches preparing for the next game. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have time to think about anything else. All right, final thought. If you're sitting here with me, we're, we're saying, what's the plan? Do you expect that it's administration, AD, at some point they'll say, okay, how do we get better? And you have, you oh, have, absolutely. You, I, you anticipate maybe they're going to say, okay, how did this happen? Well, absolutely. How yeah. Are we undoing well, this? I think a lot of them know how we, you know, kind of the dynamic that had, that's, you know, there's things I, I wish I had and done differently coaching and got done better stuff. Co absolutely. Uh, but there's other dynamics that, you know, again, I don't make uh, excuses that, that, yeah, that we know how that contributed to helping us not have maybe the season we wanted to have. And, we knew it was a rebuilding year anyway, and then you have injuries, and there's a lot of other things that uh, that make it difficult, you know, that made it difficult that I think we really have our arms around now that we really have learned from. And that's part of when things go, first of all, self-evaluation, uh, for sure. Where can I get better? What can I do better? That's as a coach. That's motivating. That's individual. That's everything involved with the X and O's and developing the players. And then there's the other things outside of the, the portal, the NI, how to handle all that, that We've looked at everything, and we have a plan in place that I think puts us better when, this, when the season's over that we probably did not have in place last year that, uh, you know, took us, uh, you know, a little bit by surprise and, some, and things that we went through that um, may not went our way, uh, that it lasted all summer long, that I think we had a much better position now. You know, our, our victory friends, uh, you know, headed by Troy Robertson and Scott Hummer, these guys are totally committed, really faith, just guys that love the program, working their tail off. You know, we all understand everything a whole lot better now and have a grasp on it a lot better than we did uh, this time last year, for sure. It's like, no, I did 48 packages, interviewed 300 players, barely caught my flight. Now I'm going through my expense. Yeah, it's a glamorous life. Kevin Ryans is back. Kevin, welcome home. And uh, great work down there for us at Fox 2. I want to kind of walk through some different things, and it was your first time down there. First of all, just how about that? As somebody who'd never been there, your kind of experience just being at that complex, seeing it for the first time. Yeah, it was really awesome. I really enjoyed it, Martin. It was one of those uh, moments for me where, you know, I grew up a baseball fan in New York with my New York Yankees. I've always thought it'd be cool to be able to see spring training kind of live up at close to personal and so, so to now do it uh, as part of my profession I just 
was like a little kid in a, in a candy store. It was super cool. So I was really enjoying it. Let's start with Nolan Arnauto. You sat down, talked to him over the weekend. So much talk about his down year. Give me some takeaways from that conversation. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest thing that um, I took away from was that, for one thing, he's put last year aside. He knows that he, he didn't produce the way he wanted to produce. He knows that the defense wasn't as sharp as we are so used to seeing him play. So um, he's kind of put that aside. He's moved on. He knew it wasn't uh, his standard last year, and he's moved on in a big way. You hear from everybody, Ali Marmol, Lars Newbar, who worked out with him over the offseason. He kind of worked out silently, just kept going and kept uh, kept his energy up and and was really super motivated to kind of right the wrong from what happened last season. And you look at him, the numbers are pretty darn good in terms of his offensive production. You know, at times he still made the incredible plays that we see at third base, but to his standard, it wasn't there. And so you can tell from just him coming in early, him reporting early, what you hear from the Cardinals, his teammates, his manager, he seems like a very motivated guy. And, for the rest of the league, I asked this to, to Lars, Newbar. I said, for the rest of the league, scary, uh, Nolan Arenado being so motivated, that's got to be scary. He said, yes, but that's good for the Cardinals. And I think that should excite everybody. I think the topic of leadership was heard more than anything from a Lance Lynn, a Sonny Gray, and then Matt Carpenter comes in, and then there's the Arenado angle to it. Did, did a lot of people bring it up, our players offering? It seems like that's been a theme early on. Yeah, there uh, – a bunch of topics about leadership. I think everybody realizes that that was something that was missing in that clubhouse last season. And so when talking to a lot of the veteran players, particularly the ones that are coming in, Lance Lynn, who was one here, he knows what, what it takes to win here. He's bringing back some of that leadership from his time when he was winning over here in St. Louis. And obviously from his previous stops as well, Sonny Gray, he talked about wanting to be one of the leaders in the clubhouse. This guy's brand new to St. Louis. He's already embracing something like that, being a leader. And then, of course, a lot of the, a lot of the younger players, like a new bar or an Edmund, they were talking about how, how much it's been great to, or even a Brendan Downing, they're talking about how great it is to have Carpenter in the clubhouse. A lot of, you know, some of those guys played with Carpenter before. They talked about how it's going to be important to have him there because he was a guy that they leaned on back then, and he will be someone they lean towards later on in the future for this season. So um, a, a lot of talk about leadership and, and people stepping up. to be, Even Arenado, we talked about um, his, his production and everything he wants his production to be better. He said that, he wants to be even a better leader in 2024 for this Cardinals team so that they can have success once again. How about being around Walker when those guys, we've said it in the yeah. past, but it's unbelievable. how They seem like 20-year veterans when you talk to them. Yeah, they are so mature. And in talking to them, you, you get that sense that they've been well-groomed and, well, and they're very mature people. But then you see them work. And I talked to Ozzy Smith for a few minutes while I was down over in Jupiter and I asked them about particularly Mason Wynn because he had the interaction with Mason Wynn after he was taking grounders and all, and all that stuff. And when I, when he, when he said is that he, he loves that they're, they have incredible potential, but that they put the work in as well. You just, you, it, it screams maturity. They, they understand, they have a great understanding that the, the, 
the work is where you got to put it in. And that's what they're doing right now. They come in, they've been Walker in particular has been down in Florida the entire off season, working on his game, making sure he's building up strength. He wants to hit 30 home runs with, it says a realistic goal over at winter warmup, which is freakishly exciting. If you're a Cardinals fan, and then you got it, and then you, you you're just impressed by their maturity, not only as people but as players. You understand that the work ethic is where all of the success comes. Wanted to have you on since you just got back. Great work done there. We'll get you in studio and do a full debrief on the Cardinals going into 2024. I know your wife, your dog, they miss you. I'll let you get back to them, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you, Martin, for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, Kevin Rats, part of the Syracuse Army, another Syracuse alum. In the broadcast world, just back from Jupiter. Brendan Weesey and I will talk about the news of the day. Desiree Reed, Francois, leaving Mizzou as the athletic director. We'll do that in our next segment. City SC returns Tuesday night at a game at home and then another game on Saturday, back-to-back. So a couple of chances this week for you to check out the pitch. Hopefully you've already been there. Hopefully you've been there during a soccer game or before a game at City Park. They're right across the street. You can't miss them. It's the pitch. Tavern, Athletic Club, awesome creation for Bob and Steve O'Loughlin, their latest creation right there at Union Station, just on the west side, right on Market. Walk out the front door, you are there. Even if you're not going to the game, go there for lunch, happy hour, for a Blues game, right down the street, right off Market. The place to hang out if you're watching the Bundesliga, Champions League, Premier League. You love soccer, this is the new soccer hangout in town. Awesome menu, great layout, fun place to hang out. The pitch is always popular, but especially now, City SC returns. Houston here Tuesday, then Real Salt Lake with the MLS opener coming up on Saturday. When we come back, it's Brendan Weesey and myself on the Kilcoin Conversation. You don't normally worry about visiting a local car wash. And rejoined now by Brendan Weesey, sports director at KTRS. We're chewing on that Travis Ford interview a little bit earlier. Other college sports news of the local variety. Mentioned this at the outset, really a stunner. I uh, haven't had the chance to get Brendan's reaction to it. Desiree Reed Francois, the athletic director at Mizzou, you probably heard the news, maybe you didn't, is leaving, taking the same job, AD at the University of Arizona. And again, Brendan, I, I think it's strange. Arizona, great basketball school, football, anything jump out at you? I mean, I think Nick Foles went there, but I mean, it's a great place to live, Arizona, but this this one to me is a little odd. I said it to Carney earlier People don't leave in college sports for a pay cut. That's a little strange. And you don't leave the SEC for the Big 12. This is this has turned into a very prestigious job. And to go to a place that is going to be in a transition for a number of reasons, you go from the Pac-12 to the Big 12, it sounds like they've got a budget shortfall in the nine-figure category, and it's wild. I mean, she's going to a place that needs some serious restructuring. It's funny, they just re-upped. They announced the Desiree move today. They also re-upped with their basketball coach, Tommy Shouldn't have to worry about that, right? (laughs) Basketball set. uh, They they just hired a new football coach because uh, Jed Fish took the uh, Washington job, I believe. So he – it it's all set up. I mean, golly, great place to live, right? But takes a pay cut. There's obviously whispers going on about this oversight committee that was created. I know you talked to Carney about that earlier today, and it's and Ben's it, tweeted about yes. it. We don't know entirely what it means, but doesn't it sound like meddling? It does. I mean, and I heard whispers about it months ago that 
you know, just something to watch out for. She has clearly been a shining light in that program. And we don't know the ins and outs. Who did she get along with? Who who did she not? Maybe. I think she's very I think she is tough to work for. She expects a lot out of her employees there inside the athletics department. But I, I mean, with the fundraising with what I mean, I think she's done great for game game day experience for football. I, I think it's turned over well for for basketball, even though the team is obviously not good this year. I, I, I think she has really, really stepped up to the plate. This uh, it feels like it does feel like an enormous loss, Martin, and another opportunity where we say Mizzou. Gonna Mizzou's Mizzou again. Mizzou yeah. <laughs> gonna Mizzou. Well, yeah. it from her perspective, her job, raise money, get the teams up and running. You just had a huge turnaround football season. You just got a sixty-two million dollar anonymous donation, massive amount of money. So in your world, what you're supposed to be doing, things are looking up. Yeah, basketball is a little concerning, even though they got the great class. But for the most part, everything's kind of up and running. And you go to a place that's gonna be a lot of work, and you never know. Maybe she doesn't like her neighbors. Maybe she doesn't like Columbia. I mean, you right, never know for right. sure. You hear stuff later like, oh, so-and-so took that other job. His wife hated living in such and such. I mean, every once in a while that's a factor. But we did hear last year when Drinkwitz got the pay raise that she didn't even know about it, that the Board of Curators decided we're going to give him a pay raise. And it's like, excuse me, that's that's kind of what I do here. And we've heard in the past, Charlie Spoonauer, when he left SLU, he was early 60s, but a lot of people said he was just sick of being nitpicked by SLU. They weren't thinking big time, and they would go through, like, his expense reports. I'm like, he's freaking Charlie Spooner. <laughs> he's taking you to the yeah. tournament, the NCAA tournament. We talked all about the SLU shortcomings earlier, but he apparently was sick of it. Like, just don't mess with me. I, I got this thing going. And then it proved itself when he took the UNLV job that he wasn't quite done. He just was done with SLU. And I just kind of wonder at Mizzou, they'll have to look in the mirror there as to what's going on. Now, Mac Rhodes, well, he wanted to go to Baylor. And I don't think Mac Rhodes was anyone's favorite. But he's still at Baylor. They did win a national championship in basketball. Yep. They're perennially good at most sports. He got the heck out of there. Jim Sturk got run off. And I'm not sure he was a great fit or whatever the issue was there. So this is, from the stability of Mike Alden, whether he was your favorite or not, you really have got a lot of instability at a major, major college institution that should be a pretty good job. Four ADs in, in seven years it's going to be whenever this hire is is completed. And it also, the timing is somewhat strange, right? I just when, Whenever you hear ADs leave and take a new job, it feels like it's at the end of the year or maybe close to the start of the year. This is right smack dab in the middle of the year. Everything about this seems strange. Like you said, uh, even going back to last year with drinks uh, raised, there were instances where you, you'd kind of scratch your head, but no indication that something like this could be in the offing where she'd walk away and uh, at best it's a lateral move at worst it's taking a, a step down if you do that to me it is it is a commentary uh, for better or for worse about the place you are leaving and I, I I don't think it says very good things about what's happening right now at Mizzou and it it's just a, it, it's a shame because things appeared to be in a, a really good spot not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, I want to say to her, are you going to a job or are you leaving one? Like, are you running out the door? Yeah. You can't wait to get out of here. I think for Eli Drinkwitz, this probably gives him even more power. 
I would think yeah. whoever the next AD is, he'll probably be asked, a li- maybe not, but with his increased juice down there, and I don't think he and Desiree were best buddies early on. I don't on. think so. Mm-hmm. I think they got, when you start winning a ton and bringing in fans and better players and better team, I think for him it's a fresh start with somebody brand new who he can say, all right, here's how we do it around here. <laughs> like, right. And, and run it, the show a little bit. It kind of boosts his us-against-the-world mentality. You know, there's something to prove. He sent something out via Twitter this afternoon. Thank you, Desiree, but bigger and better things are on the horizon. He's quickly moving past it, like you said. I don't think, <laughs> I think they there were was best something pals. There, yes. I don't think they were best pals. So. I thought Ben got on his nerves. No. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. I think his power is only going to increase, and that's not necessarily a bad thing if the football team continues to have the success that it's had. It's funny about, you know, about Dennis Gates, and I, I mean from hero to Goat, and we use goat in, in good terms a lot, but maybe we use it in, in bad terms here for yeah. a moment. It used to mean bad. It used things. to mean bad things for sure. Maybe for him, it's you know he's suddenly looking over his shoulder a little bit because you'd have to figure his leash would be as long as as he wanted it to be under Desiree. He was her handpicked guy, and now suddenly his AD is gone. Suddenly, he probably feels a little uneasy today compared to where he's been. Something we talked about with Kevin Ryans a little earlier, my colleague who was down at spring training, Nolan Arenado over the weekend, talking to everyone, showing up and saying, I've got something to prove. Also talking about him taking more leadership. I think if you go back here, it's really John Mozeliak who opened this door because Mo is the one who said, hey, Arnado wanted us to go out and get more veterans. Arnado thought we were too young. And I think at the end of the season, Arnado made some comments, quotes about we're a little young, a little young. And I'm wonder- I'm wondering if Arnado's like, hey, Mo, thanks. Now everybody thinks I'm a terrible leader or thinks I can't lead this group. <laughs> or I just, as buttoned up as the Cardinals are, but this goes back to last year. And I'm probably over-reading this, but my guess is that Arnado would rather not have to address his leadership ability or what role he's going to take in the clubhouse. Doesn't it go back to Mo kind of saying when they got Lynn and they got Matt Carpenter especially, hey, Arnado wants some older guys, wants some leaders. Kind of put it on him, yeah. which made him explain it, which I don't mind at all. It just surprises me. It does. And I think a little Am I more, overthinking that? No, I don't think so. I, I think the there's a little more – well, I, I, there is as much heat on Arnado – as there's been since he's gotten here. He's been able to live kind of carefree, and he's been pretty productive up until last year where the wheels kind of came off uh, relative to what his career norms have been. I feel like, and this is not going out on a limb, the Cardinals' fortunes this year hinge on Arenado bouncing back, being that guy that maybe can be a little more of a leader and to see his numbers come back to what we've uh, what we're accustomed to, I've told this to Ben a number of times. Third base is not a position that ages gracefully in Major League Baseball. Third base generally, this is around the age where guys start to fall off. It's it's a tough position to play, and guys don't post elite numbers. And he numbers. plays all out, and too. he does. I, I I just wonder if last year wasn't the start of something, or if it, it maybe it was a blip. But if Arenado continues to be 
really productive over the next two to four years, I think he's almost bucking a trend, Martin, because guys like him, they just did, they, they, they hit a wall and then they hit it hard. I love the fact that he's motivated and wants to yeah. take on that Mizzou, which the Cardinals need to take on, that STP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of, I would give them LTP, lots to prove. <laughs> Instead of something, how about lots to prove? I don't mind that at all. I just think it's interesting that and everything out of spring training is usually fluffy. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. so-and-so's had a great bullpen today. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Best shape of his life. Right, all that stuff. You know, hey, how'd you spend your offseason? Oh, I was <laughs> helping the poor in Guatemala. Okay, good for you. <laughs> like, that's just sort of the message early in spring. This one's a little more specific to leadership. I, I just wasn't sure Matt Carpenter was making the team. Now they talk about it like he's here to mentor everybody. I, I wish he was there mentoring like Ozzy's helping Mason win as a former Cardinal. Lending a hand, you know, like that that's kind of what you would expect from a guy at Matt Carpenter, the point in his career. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll tear it up this spring. But if he hits 100, is he making the team? I'm all about it. That's fine. Let him do his thing. It'll maybe be fun for a couple months. And, and if he doesn't cut out, he's gone. If he's on the roster at the expense of somebody like Alec Burleson, I'm going to be upset. Because Burleson, there is a future. This guy can just flat out hit. I don't care what Burleson does in spring training. He should have a spot guaranteed on this roster because the guy's a hitter and he sh- he should not have to sweat his spot because Matt Carpenter's here. That's my take. What is coming up on the Big Sports Show? we got Tiger Talk here next. More, I would imagine, a little bit more on the Desiree uh, Reed-Francois decision. Uh, Valley on the Big 558 8. We'll talk some MVC hoops as we're closing in the final two weeks of the Valley regular season. All right, that is coming your way at the top of the hour. We always appreciate you tuning in to the Kill Coin Conversation. Thanks to Kevin Ryans coming on, talking Cardinals. Travis Ford, the extended cut. That's the beauty here on radio sometimes we can take a longer form in this case tv interview and let it play out so you can hear all the questions all of the answers one of our great sponsors is triple a home services and right now it's a great time to get a rebate as low as they'll be all year this is the lowest rebate available right now that is triple a home services i love talking about what they provide because it's real simple heating and cooling you bet yeah, I know, but I've got some plumbing issues. I've got some electrical issues. i got some appliances that are breaking down. How about AAA being able to handle all of the above? Home services. It's in their name. It's what they do. You can find out more at aaastl.com, aaaastl.com, or call 636-397-3200. AAA on the way. That's good news. Great rebates if you've been putting it off. A lot of folks do that. You know, the, the winter season's winding down, then it'll be summer, and then you got to crank up the AC. So if the HVAC is on its last legs, I don't know where that saying ever came from, last legs. But you know what I'm talking about. If you need a new furnace, now's the time at AAA.